Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the IT News Podcast. Our guest this week is Horizon Power's Senior Manager of Technology, Jeff Campbell. Horizon Power has completed a large-scale migration of applications and workloads from its data centers to a private cloud. This not only aligns with state government objectives to have more of a cloud mindset, but is also seen as a key way to contribute to meeting whole-of-government carbon emissions reductions targets. Horizon Power is now set up to achieve some future-facing and data-driven ambitions, leveraging other cloud-based services. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Maybe just to start with, can I get you to just talk a little bit about the area of the technology organization that you work in, just to give us a sense of how that fits into the broader technology organization as well? Yeah, sure. So I'm part of the technology and digital transformation division, and my area actually looks after the run component for IT, OT, cybersecurity, and metering. We had a recent restructure and I used to manage the project delivery part of technology. It was kind of too big a remit, so we moved that off. And now I'm just focusing on making sure that everything that's delivered as part of a project or a strategic initiative and lands and run, I make sure that it delivers the services that it was set up to. It will be useful to understand a little bit more about Horizon Power's technology organization a bit more broadly in terms of the size of the team and how it's structured as well. So we have a general manager of technology and digital transformation that four senior leaders report into. So I'm one of them. Then we have my counterpart who manages all the emerging technologies and delivery of those distributed energy resource management systems, IoT, renewables, etc. Then we've got a senior project delivery person that now looks after all the project delivery and outputs into the organization and resourcing around project managers, BAs, etc. And then we have a digital and data solutions lead as well. It looks after really all the data needs of the organization, the democratization of the data, making it readily available to different parts of the business. How does the strategy fit into this? Does the pillars of the strategy align to those four key executives that are reporting up into the GM or are there different strategic pillars that Horizon is working towards? No, we kind of all have three pillars that we're working towards and particularly with the technology strategy. So one of it is lead the energy transition. That's really about delivering innovative digital energy solutions to enable, I guess, increase what we call distributed energy resource penetration, support electric vehicle uptake and facilitate customer solutions. Then we've got the high performing organization. And this really is about creating that digitally enabled environment to improve customer experience and organizational performance, again, by delivering those secure, high-quality, sustainable, and data-led solutions, and then green growth, technology and data that supports and enhances green growth opportunities across the organization. Those pillars fit nicely into, A, strategic initiatives, but then lower down initiatives that fit into our division. Okay, cool. And do you want to talk a little bit about how the Western Australian carbon and emissions reductions target influence the strategic direction that technology takes? Yeah, sure. So if I wind the clock back probably about three years ago, there was quite an ambitious target around decarbonisation targets. And I think we were trying to hit maybe 70% decarbonisation across our service area. And if you don't know much about Horizon Power, so we just provide electricity to regional WA, but our remit or service area is something like 2.4 square million kilometres. So delivering 70% decarbonisation by utilising renewables and behind the meter management systems and integrating batteries, et cetera, into our service area. 
So the government then came out and said 70% is probably not ambitious enough and push it up to 80%. So then we had to really accelerate some of the initiatives that we were looking to push out to meet those decarbonisation targets, coupled with, I guess, the government initiatives around renewing the regions, creating thriving communities in the regions. And electricity underpinned a lot of that in delivering services to provide that outcome. So we had to accelerate a lot of our initiatives across that. So when we look at the uptake or planning for the support and uptake of electric vehicles, it might not make sense much now. But when you look at the EV charges that we're deploying across the northwest, right up to the top of the state, it will enable, again, tourism growth in those areas, looking at increased DER penetration. And that largely facilitates the ability to not knock back requests for solar. Because currently we have a hard cap on the amount of solar requests that we can put through without impacting our grid. And so all these technology solutions will enable us to have zero refusals across our region. Then looking at some things around digitizing the way we operate using digital solutions that facilitate a better outcome, quicker result, again, all contributing to that greener aspect as well. And so when you talking about those specific areas, was this based on work that the organisation went through to understand its emissions boundaries and where the opportunities lay for specific reductions? Absolutely. And if you look at some of the innovative projects that we started out with in terms of testing and learning. So again, our first DER deployment was in Onslow, where we coupled batteries and then looking at what we called secure gateway devices that actually managed energy profiles to specific customers. That paid the way for us to refine that process. And now we're looking at rolling that out to our other 38 microgrids, again, to facilitate lower carbon emissions and allow customers to utilize natural resources, e.g. sun, wind, solar. Then we looked at in Denham, what we're doing is a hydrogen power plant producing green hydrogen, which again is a lot better for the environment and facilitates a learning about how we may be able to deploy that type of technology as well in other areas. It makes sense, I think, within the context of this discussion to talk a little bit more about the digital side of things as well. Mm -hmm. And this conversation came about because we wanted to talk a little bit more about some of the work you've done around data center migration. Obviously, Mm -hmm. data center footprint, when you're talking about technology, is one of the things that really comes up in any sort of measure of emissions. Do you want to talk a little bit, I guess, about what Horizon Power is doing or has done in that space? Yeah, so I think we started on our cloud journey probably about two and a bit years ago. And really, I think there were a couple of things that made us go down that path, A, because I think the government was pushing us to move to a cloud-first approach for any infrastructure. But then also coupled with that, I guess we looked at how we were delivering some of our data solutions and we wanted to use platforms or move to platform as a service to facilitate the faster delivery of digital solutions. And again, democratizing that data so that business could use that data to make better decisions around what they were going to do as far as strategic initiatives. So the data center conversation was clear. So we wanted to move away from managing bits of tin and looking at more of a service catalog approach and platform approach where it didn't really matter which cloud provider we were using, as long as it was scalable or secure and we could leverage both the compute and resource in those cloud environments while not increasing our carbon footprint, which currently we're trying to move down as we migrate more and more to the cloud. So it was a natural progression. And again, when you look at some of the digital and data analytics tools that are available in cloud platforms, that also enables greater renewable uptake or more effective simulation modeling of what those renewable solutions do in our regions. 
Maybe just to take a step back, do you want to talk about the environment itself in terms of the size that you were dealing with, the number of servers or the number of applications, number of workloads? So we're probably looking at around 450 odd servers and maybe probably around 130 to 200 applications that we're looking to migrate or transition to private cloud. Now, that also encompasses some of our OT environment as well and some of our IoT initiatives that we've got underway as well. So there were five phases in that cloud migration of what we were looking to do. So the obvious one was the first part was lift and shift, those virtualized applications that we could readily just move to the cloud without any real transformation. And then through the other phases two to five, I guess it presented us an opportunity, A, to look at our application footprint and server footprint and rationalize that by removing legacy systems that maybe weren't fit for purpose anymore, and then leveraging some of the native tools in the cloud to facilitate either delivery of the same solution or a better solution. So re-platforming and re-architecting some of our applications that we currently held on-prem. And what we saw, and there was a bit of hesitance, I guess, from the business, because there was a big change in management progress that had to accompany that. Scared about latency, et cetera, how readily available would the applications be, access to environments, et cetera. But what we actually saw was an increase in performance, a reduction in our carbon footprint in the data centers. And I guess we're looking at now two or three months since the completion and touch wood, all things are running relatively well. And we're starting to develop metrics around how we can feed that to the sustainability KPIs that we have. And so you mentioned, I think, private cloud there. And I guess the other side of things around the modernization is possibly a SaaS discussion. Do you want to just talk about the way that you've looked at the new architecture, I guess, and where different workloads now reside? Yeah, so some of the workloads in the OT environment probably weren't quite ready for public cloud or elements of a public cloud. So it's the whole private cloud approach, and that's worked really well. I think in terms of the workloads that we were looking, we wanted to make sure that A, the latency didn't impact some of our OT environments, specifically around the availability component, and also making sure that zones within the private cloud met what we currently had on-prem from a cyber perspective. And of course, cyber underpins a lot of what we're looking at achieving, particularly because we're critical infrastructure in our regional areas. And so cyber and the SOCI reforms that are coming through are sort of pushing us and making us think about what we need to protect and private cloud provided that opportunity to make sure that what we had on prem could be replicated but become more scalable and using the compute and resource for automation particularly around those workloads we could achieve that i don't know whether you can give a percentage how much of the existing environment was lifted and shifted over versus how much was re-architected and modernized so we're probably looking at around a 40 to 60 percent split so 40 percent lift and shift and 60 percent re-architected and as i said there will be a point in time now that we've kind of letting things settle in that we'll go back and revisit again that 40 percent of workloads and look at re-platforming re-architecting or doing a review of whether the way we deliver that service is again fit for purpose for the organization or we need, need to look at other solutions which leverage cloud capability more. And would that 40% be mostly OT or is it a real mix of stuff? It's a mix of stuff. I would say, again, probably a 50-50 split there in terms of what we lifted and shifted, both from an IT corporate perspective and an OT perspective.
And I wanted to ask specifically, and you've mentioned a couple of times about the OT and the industrial control system side of things. And traditionally, some of those applications haven't been very conducive to be running cloud, which is what you mentioned. But I wondered how you see that space evolving and how particularly you were able to gain assistance from some of those providers when you were in this process of migration. That's all about collaboration and communication. So we have a very tight-knit OT, IT interaction. And in fact, we facilitate a lot of conversations prior to the shift around what we were trying to achieve, engage them and made them part of the process. Now, people often talk about IT, OT convergence. And really, for me, it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to merge the two environments. In fact, quite the opposite. It's just about using smarter IT solutions in the OT environment. And I guess we've been lucky enough in our space that we've helped the OT team to leverage some of those smarter solutions gaining their trust through that process so that then things like cloud become a risk-based conversation. And as we moved through that private cloud migration, it became apparent that as we architected it to suit their cyber model in particular, and they've adopted the Purdue model in Horizon, we could meet those requirements in private cloud without too much of pushback and getting that trust as we went through that process was key to further re-platforming and re-architecting of uh, OT environments. Obviously, we've talked a little bit about private cloud. Do you want to talk a little bit about the choices that you've made in that area and some of the reasons that those choices were made? We went out to tender. We got a number of responses from those organizations that could potentially help us do the transition right through to organizations that really got what we were looking at doing, which was not just to come in, transfer workloads, and then walk away, but strategically partner with us for growth and also for opportunities in terms of improving our footprint in private cloud. So straight off the bat, when we went through that process, it became clear that Macquarie Telecom really understood what we were trying to achieve, not only from a technology perspective, but from sustainability and a green growth perspective. They were willing to partner with us, really understood our requirements. And in fact, when we were going through that tender process and interviewing and asking questions, there wasn't too much backwards and forwards. They really understood what we were trying to achieve straight off the bat, as I said, and it became apparent that they did want to strategically partner with us to achieve a great outcome. Did you want to talk a little bit about maybe some of the questions that were asked during that tender process around sort of emissions? Because I feel like when you talk to data center operators, you get a real mix of responses in terms of how granular they're willing to go in terms of telling you what their architecture is, what particular materials they use, and how that would affect their emissions contribution to your organization. So I feel like it might be a nice thing to just talk a little bit about what you were able to achieve in that specific area, given that emissions emissions reduction was part of the overarching goal. So again, straight up, one of the panel questions in the tender responses was specifically around how they were going to utilize greener technologies. And it was interesting, some of the tender responses couldn't quite articulate that accurately, but Macquarie actually produced some statistics around where their specific architectures and the way they architected their networks and also the server infrastructure they were using to provide those platforms would help reduce specific emissions, but also how that translated into a year-on-year -year savings to Horizon Power and a demonstrable reduction in those emissions. And they would provide that in a report that we could validate. So that was kind of a neat nuance in terms of how they responded to that. And then also looking at their future roadmap too, how they would partner with us to look at green opportunities in terms of the technology and data solutions that we were trying to deploy could utilize some of that greener technology. 
So we've talked about cloud first. Did you want to talk just briefly, I guess, about the other aspect of transformation that you mentioned, which was around the move to PaaS services and democratization of certain platforms? So if you look at some of the work that we're doing and what we're calling utility of the future initiatives, that data underpins a lot of the initiatives there. And I think we were looking at really transforming the way the business operates. So if you look at our operations area, quite manual in some of the processes that we do when we deploy teams out into the regions. But by re-architecting and reprocessing those procedures and making them digital, enabled a better service and quicker service for our teams to go out and deliver outcomes for our service area, mobility solutions, so that there was one pane of glass when people were going out and inspecting assets using LiDAR, ops geospatial solutions to again have a footprint of our assets and actually having a real-time integration with those works delivery programs. Smart meters, OT analytics, using those types of solutions to identify neutral integrity potential shock situations. Again, going back to the customer safety aspect, using those solutions for forecasting and grid planning capabilities to again, look at predictive asset management maintenance delivering new portals and apps for customers so that they could leverage data and analytics around their own usage and then accordingly adjust the way they use their electricity. So there was a whole bunch of initiatives, I guess, underpinning that. And I was starting to see the benefits of that already. There was a very quick return on experience and on a financial perspective as well. And I imagine some of those things like remote inspection and condition-based monitoring, these things not only have a sustainability benefit in terms of reducing truck rolls, but there's a huge safety component to that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And if we can inspect an asset remotely or have data that's coming back through our smart meters to identify conditions that may not be ideal and leading to an incident, and we can be proactive in hitting those incidents, then it's a much better outcome both for the customer and for our field work crew and creates a better and safer environment to operate in. Hmm, excellent. One question I've asked everyone on the podcast, what excites you about the next 12 months? Yeah, we've got a lot of interesting stuff coming through in terms of what we're planning to do. So as I said, a big focus is our 80% decarbonisation by 2025 across our regions. So we're investing a lot in looking at battery technologies. You'll see some of the work we're doing in the schools in the region, solar schools. So integrating solar panels, using community battery to make sure that we have zero refusals in our service remit. The EV part, while a little bit future thinking, I think is going to provide an excellent opportunity for those investing in electric vehicles to drive with confidence up the northwest coast and having access to charges along that way. That then will feed into, I guess, the government's initiative and makes sure that then we as an organisation are meeting the government remit. And it's really about, again, enabling a thriving and, I guess, exciting community or regional presence, which I think the regional areas have often missed out on. And if we can facilitate cheaper bills, more reliable electricity, that then encourages businesses with local employment, etc., It provides an economic boost to the regions and a better, I guess, lifestyle and living outcome for those individuals, mums and dads, as well as large organisations working out there. That was Jeff Campbell from Horizon Power. And that's the podcast for this week. We'll be back with an exciting new interview next week. Until then, you can catch all the latest headlines in Australian IT over at itnews.com.au.